Well, hey, this morning uh, we're going to be in Luke chapter 1, and uh, I've got some other passages that I will be sharing with you, but those will be on the screen. Uh, but for, for you and for us to be uh, journeying through Scripture this morning together, we will be parking in Luke chapter 1. So uh, if you need to look at the front and cheat a little bit, I'll give you some extra time. If you're one of those that does like the, the fan of the pages and then just sticks your other hand in there, when you see Luke, that's you got time, no rush. We're not doing sword drills this morning. That'll be all right. For those of you who don't know me, I am uh, Pastor Aaron. I work with our uh, student ministry here at uh, Journey Church, and uh, my hot wife is over here on the front. Hey, baby, what's going on? Looking good, girl. All right. I'll pay for that later. It's okay. So like I said, we're going to be in Luke chapter 1, and uh, if you were here this past Sunday or if you watched online, Pastor Ken talked a little bit about uh, the priest Zechariah, and so we're going, to, we're going to dive a little bit further into his story and follow him all the way through uh, the entire segment that we see him in Scripture, and so it's going to be surrounding the priest Zechariah and, uh, and a little bit of what we see taking place within uh, Scripture there. And so uh, today is um, kind of the... The gist of what I'm going to be talking about or the title, if I would to title this sermon, it would be The Promise of Yesterday. And uh, that was something that the Lord kind of laid on my heart when Pastor Ken was like, hey, who wants to speak on the 26th? I was like, oh, my hand's up. Yeah, okay, I'm doing that. And, uh, and so kind of as I was praying, I was like, Lord, you know, what would you have me share? What, you know, what, what, can I, what can I say on December 26th as we've come out of a, a Christmas series and talking about gifts and, and the moving of the Holy Spirit and God doing things? And uh, the thing that kind of popped in my head, and sometimes this is the way that my brain works. Sometimes I'll have like a story and I realize how the story is going to progress and where I see you know, uh, God saying, here's what I want you to tell. And then other times, I'll have only like a title, and it's weird. And I'm like, oh, that's not enough information. Lord, what are you doing? And, and then it like, it builds later. And so that was kind of how this one, this one kind of came together. The, the Lord kind of dropped this in, uh, talking about the promise of yesterday. And then as the, in the study and in the praying, it became, hey, I'm going to, it's going to be Zechariah. This is, you know, this is where this is going to end up being. And so, so we're going to read through some of this, and we'll, we'll stop here and there and uh, jump in and out of the passage and uh, talk about Zechariah. But we are talking about promises from God and the, the character Zechariah. So we pick up in Luke chapter 1. This is in verse 5. And uh, I'll be reading NLT. And I like how this starts out. It says, it all begins with the Jewish priest. Like, I feel like that, like, sets a great, like, movie scene. You know, like, you know, you, you, you just had, like, you know, uh, 20th century Fox, like, pop-ups, like, bam. Or, you know, universal, gung, 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 all this stuff. And then, boom, priest. You know, he just, like, kind of, like, comes stepping out of the dark, all in his garb, you know, with a little bit of priest swagger. Like, that's what I see in my head. And maybe you guys see it differently, but I, I don't want to scare you. I'm just going to give you a glimpse into this brain, Okay. Don't stay there. It's, it's impossible to get out. That's all you get. It's just a little peek, and then we're shutting the door. That's enough. Okay? So that's, that's my brain. So it all begins with the Jewish priest, Zechariah, who lived when Herod was king of Judea. Zechariah was a member of the priestly order Abiha, Abaha, Abijah. Any of those are acceptable. 
His wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron, not me, a different guy. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was barren, and now they were both very old. One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week. As was the custom of the priests, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary and burn incense in the Lord's presence. While the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. Zechariah was in the sanctuary when an angel of the Lord appeared, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was overwhelmed with fear, as I'm sure any of us would be, okay? Where he's in a room by himself and somebody shows up. Like, that's, where'd you come from? Like, what's going on, okay? He's overwhelmed with fear. But the angel said, and we see this over and over again, not just in the, the Christmas story, but throughout Scripture, do not be afraid. God brings peace when he shows up initially. Do not be afraid. It's the peace of God. Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Knows his name, right? For God has heard your prayer, and your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice with you at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or hard liquor. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And he will persuade many Israelites to turn to the Lord God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah, the prophet of old. He will precede the coming of the Lord, preparing the way for his arrival. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. He will change disobedient minds to accept godly wisdom. Now, this is a lot to process, right? Could you imagine just being, you're in there, okay, it's my turn. Don't mess up. Don't mess up. Okay, that, would, that would be what's going through my head. Don't screw this up, Aaron. There's a crowd of people outside, okay? Don't mess this up. Don't knock over the incense. Don't drop anything. Everybody's going to hear it. It's going to clatter. It's like, oh, my goodness, you know? And, and then possibly also like, you know, I haven't done this in a long time or never done this before. And so there's this. And then, boom, somebody shows up. Zechariah. What? Like, you know, I would, I would scream like, like Pastor Megan. I would. I would be terrified. Just a little, ah! okay? Probably drop whatever I was holding, and then like, oh, I dropped. I wasn't supposed to do that. Now, I, you know, just this overwhelming experience. And then, hey, here's this long list of information. Here's all this stuff. Everything that you have understood and have known is all being changed. Wait, what? What's going on? What, I'm going to... I'm going to be a dad. What? How is this going to happen? And so Zechariah speaks to the angel, which I find fascinating. Just like, yeah, way to go, Zechariah. Like, I'd probably still be standing there like, I'm dreaming. Something's, something's messing with me. So Zechariah said to the angel, how can I know this will happen? I'm an old man, and my wife is also well along in years. Pastor Ken addressed the wisdom of Zechariah and, and how he worded that last week. Good man, wise man, even in his fear, still smart. But his question, his question is, he's wanting certainty, okay? So Zechariah sought certainty rather than accepting the promise. Because if you, if you skip forward in Scripture and we're looking at somebody else having an angel experience and sharing with them something that seems to be, blow their minds, her response is, how can this happen? 
yet it's more in awe and wonder rather than skepticism and wanting certainty, which is what we see with Zechariah. And so, so Zechariah asks this question, how can I know this will happen? And the angel says, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. And now since you didn't believe, excuse me, and now since you didn't believe what I said, you won't be able to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly come true at the proper time. And everybody's still waiting outside for Zechariah, right? Like all of this is going on. I don't know the, the length of this conversation, like the duration of time, you know, like was it, was it real quick? I don't know. I would imagine probably not. And was this, was this maybe the only question that Zechariah had? I, this is the one that I would have been asking too. Like how, how can I, how, are you sure, are, are you really sure, you know, who's messing with me? But yet then there's this, hey, this is what's going to happen. You're going to be silent. You're going to be unable to speak. And so Zechariah goes from seeking certainty to having this time of silence. And, and what's unique is that it's not silence on God's part. It's silence on Zechariah's. And, and I, I find that that's, that's very interesting because I had always considered that to be a, a punishment or a consequence. And, and in reading more of this and in studying more and and. and trying to place myself in this story, I wonder if maybe this was, this was possibly a gift rather than a consequence. And so that, that's my curiosity in this. Was this, a, was this a gift or was this silence a consequence? Because now Zechariah is in a position where he is, he is going to be hearing more than he's going to be speaking for a while, okay? He might, at that point, as soon as he becomes mute, I would have been like, may I go home now? <laughs> because the clock isn't starting until the wife gets pregnant. <laughs> I would like to begin speaking again, okay? Like, he, he's, he's probably really concerned about what's going on. So we have, we, as uh, the story continues, Zechariah actually finishes out his, his week of service. I don't know if it was, you know, was that, was that on Monday or was that on Friday? That's, that's kind of a different experience. But he finishes out his, his service there at the, at the temple and goes home. And Elizabeth becomes pregnant. And he's still, he's still silent. The, the promise is beginning to come true. There is, there is hope now at the beginning of this. And, and so there is hope in the waiting. That's where Zechariah is. He, he is uncertain. He is now silent. And now he is waiting. But yet, yet there is this anticipation because he is able to see what is, what is to come. He's able to see now she is pregnant. Okay, it's been a few weeks. Then it's been a, been a, a month or so. And now, hey, he can see the promise is on its way. The promise is on its way. This was something that was promised to me before, and now here it's on its way, but yet he's still silent, and he's still waiting. And so I, I, gotta, I, gotta, be, I gotta be honest, I'm, I'm intrigued as to the, the, the thought process and the position of Zechariah's heart in this, and, and what, what I would be sensing, what I would be feeling if I were in his place, that I'd seen the messenger of God heard the promise of God, and 
in my silence and in my waiting, I'm watching the promise grow, literally. Like, what an awesome thing, but yet to not be able to express that externally. Man, what a unique thing that God has placed him in. And sometimes we can feel that. Sometimes we can feel that we're in that place of Zechariah, where maybe the promise isn't, isn't what we expected. Maybe the promise isn't growing the way that we thought. Maybe the promise isn't, isn't happening in the time frame that we felt that it was necessary. But God is still there. As the story continues, we jump down to verse 57 in Luke chapter 1. And it says, now it was the time for Elizabeth's baby to be born, and it was a boy. The word spread quickly to her neighbors, right? Yeah, that would spread quickly. Hey, you know that old lady down the street? Yeah, she, she, hasn't, she hasn't been eating a lot. She's pregnant. She's giving birth, right? That spread quickly to neighbors and relatives that the Lord had been very kind to her, and everyone rejoiced with her when the baby was eight days old. All right, the baby's already been born. The promise has already arrived. Zachariah's still silent. When the baby was eight days old, all the relatives and friends came for the circumcision ceremony. That's an interesting party. I don't know that you can find Hallmark cards for that. <laughs> that would be weird. Don't ask the cash register lady for that. <laughs> that would be, that's rude. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> that would be very funny. They wanted to name him Zechariah after his father, but Elizabeth said, no, his name is John. What? They exclaimed. There's no one in your family by that name. So they asked the baby's father, communicating with him by making gestures. He motioned for a writing tablet. This is not an iPad or a Kindle Fire, uh, just so that you guys are clear. We're like, oh, tablets, that's interesting. No, not that kind of tablet. Something to write on. And to everyone's surprise, he wrote, his name is John. Instantly, Zechariah could speak again, and he began praising God. So it was in declaring the promise. He has spent all this time watching, waiting, in silence, moving from uncertainty to hope. And now he declares what God has spoken. He speaks the words that God spoke. He follows in the promises from God. That this is God's word. This is what God's word says. That's what I'm saying. And he declares the promise. And sometimes there's that point where it's, it's that way. Not that it's a, I don't want to miss, miss and uh, communicate. It is not a magical formula that if we do A and B, it equals C. Okay? It is not that. Um, and that is not what is taking place here, and that is not what I am uh, communicating in any way. But there is, there is something that we see modeled in that waiting, but also in that declaring the promise. That we, I know, Zechariah, I know this is from God, and this is what God is saying, and this is the time to say it. Here it is. His name is John. And, and in, my, in my own life, as I, as I look at the story, there are times where there have, been, there have been things that I know that God has spoken in my life, that there are promises that I know that God had, had communicated in and through me that uh, there are some that I, I honestly, I'm still waiting on. And it's, I'm still in that waiting stage. And, and at times it feels like the, the silence trades places. 
I don't, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes it feels like it's me because I, I have forgotten or I feel like, Lord, I'm, I'm, still, I'm still reaching out to you, but I'm not hearing a response about this thing. Maybe that's just me. Maybe that's just me. Uh, but in my, in my personal experience with, uh, with a, a promise, I know that God had, had promised me time in, in youth ministry. And when we were in uh, North Carolina, there, was, there, there came a, a time and a situation where um, I had been at, a, I'd been at a church and I was in the youth ministry, but then I was moved to be an um, online campus pastor and men's pastor and uh, small groups. And so that was going to be my, my new role. And so we had this transition and all of this stuff. And I was like, okay, all right, God. You know, I, I don't really know what's going on, but, you know, I, I know that I heard this from you, and so now things are different. So whatever you're doing, I, I'm going to try and, and step into that. And, and it, was, it was hard. It was hard because it was, I know that I have this promise from God, yet things aren't going the way that I thought. You know, I, I was like, I'm, I'm going to be like an old man doing youth ministry. This is going to be awesome. And my youth think that I've already arrived there. Um, <laughs> That's hurtful, but that's okay. And, uh, and so I was, I was just confused in this. And, and so there was this, this time of where things felt silent, and, and I kept waiting, like, God, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure what's going on. And I absolutely felt the uncertainty that Zachariah did. Like, God, I, I, I was pretty certain I heard this. I don't know what's going on. And... And it was, it was a, a year and a half of just this uncertainty, this waiting, and, and not sure what's going on and not sure where God is going to be, you know, leading me next. And, and in that, it was, it was Lord, I, I'm just, I'm just going to follow wherever you will lead me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait, but I'm not going to wait without action, if that makes sense. And and the and the Lord opened up an opportunity to uh, to serve and actually volunteer with uh, junior high boys at uh, within a, a ministry called Royal Rangers. It's kind of like uh, it's kind of like Boy Scouts, but within the church. And I had grown up in that, and I had been uh, I had been trained as a commander in that uh, in the past. And so this opportunity opened up, and I was like, Well, yeah, that sounds great. I'll do that. And and I saw the the promise that God had opened up in this way that I didn't expect. And I was, I was feeling like I shouldn't do this. I shouldn't do this. I'm, you know, I'm past the youth ministry, you know, age and I'm, you know, I'm moved into something else. This is what God wants me to do instead of this. And, and I was reminded uh, by the Lord, by things I had written in my journal that God had been speaking into my heart and going back to that and looking, I was like, no, Lord, I, I know that this is, I know that Youth ministry is what you have for me. This is the this is what you made me to do. I know this because not because I have an idea, but because you spoke this to me, and and it became this struggle of I need to declare this, not force my opinion and force my will, but step into what God had said. God, you said this. I'm following this, and the Lord opened up a, this opportunity all at the same time, and it was like, God, you do cool stuff. Man, that is awesome. And something that felt silent and dark in the waiting, God brought 
this renewed passion and this renewed vigor. And I'm still getting older, so youth ministry is more challenging. <laughs> and it hurts a little bit more, but it is still the thing that I, I want to do forever. It is still the thing that I understand that God has made me for that. And that's, that's what I am to do, and that's who, the, who I am. And, and so following in that, declaring that, God, this is who you have me to be and where you have me going, I'm doing that. I'm going to do that with my whole heart, my whole passion. And so why the promises of God as we're talking through this? Why are the promises of God any greater than anybody else's promises? Because, you know, we can say from Scripture, here are some promises. Other people can say, this is what God has promised in my life. And, and, and we see those highs and those lows within that. And it's kind of like, well, what, what does this mean? What is this? What is that? That was a bug on me. Man, what is that? He, like, he, was, go he was going after my ear. I was, okay, promises. Let me know if he comes back. Why are the promises of God any greater than anybody else's promises? Well, a promise is only as good as the promiser, right? We understand that. So if somebody is full of promises but not delivering on those, eh, you know, when they're, when, then when they're like, you, you can trust me, I promise. <laughs> uh, no, definitely not. But somebody who... The promise is as good as the promiser. We understand that from God because God is good. We also understand that his love endures forever. We understand that his, because he never fails, therefore his promises never fail. And so that's why we look to the promises of God. And the other place that we look to for the promises of God, obviously, is his word. And we've got a few of these up here. The forgiveness of sin. God promises. God promises to forgive us of our sins. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous so that he will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. He also promises his presence, that he will be with us. Jesus, speaking to his disciples, moments before he's ascended to heaven, says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to follow all that I have commanded you. And he closes with this. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. He promises his presence. He promises his peace in Romans 5, verse 1. It says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It is through Jesus that we have peace. And we also have the promise of his Holy Spirit. Acts 1, verses 4 and 5 says, Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, You heard of from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Those are the promises that we see from God. Those are the promises that are actually coming through Christ in the New Testament. So not only do we experience his peace through our Lord Jesus Christ, but we also experience his promises through his son, Jesus Christ. And so we jump back to the story of Zechariah. All right, we closed out there a few minutes ago with him declaring the promise and then praising God. And in, um, later on it says in verse... 
67, it says that Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and began to prophesy. So we have Zechariah going from uncertainty to silence to waiting to now here he is. He is filled with the Holy Spirit. And that comes after the declaring of the promise. He sees the promise come true. And the next thing he does after he's filled with the Holy Spirit is he worships. I find that fascinating. He worships. Rather than it being all about the promise, it becomes he's going to give glory to the promiser. It isn't, it isn't the thing, the gift, even though it is a child, it is still for the king. So when we are teaching through and studying through our, our sermons, one of the questions that we ask within our, our, uh, our team huddle is, so what? When we finish a story or we talk through a, uh, a lesson, the, the question is, so what? And you're probably wondering the same thing. So what? Cool story, bro. Like, what's, what does this have to do to connect to me? How does this fit in my life? Well, I, I like to ask questions. And you can, you can confirm this with my parents. <laughs> Some of you are like, yeah, kids. I, I was asked a thousand questions this morning before I left for church. So parents, we get it. So here's my question. After I hear a story, here's my question, especially with this one. Is my focus on finding a promise or finding my Savior? And I think that's an introspective. I think that's a rhetorical. I think that's for you to digest within whatever situation, wherever stage you find yourself in, whether you are Zechariah waiting before the promise has been delivered, whether you are uncertain, whether it feels like you're trading places and who's being silent and who's not. Are, you, are we looking for the promise or are we finding our Savior? And so I just got a text message. So what else do I learn from this story? The thing that I look at and I see within my own life is this story reminds me that there will be times where I will doubt. I will doubt at times. Life is hard. Life is short. And, and sometimes that pain, that hardship, and that unexpected shortness can, can cause doubt. But I also know that God will continue to remain faithful. And just like within the story of Zechariah, in the silence, God is still at work beneath the surface. Just as that baby was growing in Elizabeth's womb, God is still at work beneath the surface. And at times, I may not be able to see that. At times, it may cause me to question. But I continue to declare his promise through the silence. And then the last thing that I learned that I want to share with you is worship. Worship. Not based off of my feelings or my attitude, but based on his worthiness. And because all of this is all about Jesus. Jesus is with you in the waiting. Jesus is with you in the silence. Jesus is worthy of your worship. That's what this story teaches me. That's what this story reminds me. Because there are, there are times where I am so distracted by the waiting and the silence that... I not only am clam up, but I, I kind of turn inward and, and, and hide a little bit. And it's like I just need to, I just need to make it through today, and, and so I got to curl up and, and, 
just worry about myself. That's, that's, not, that's not what I, what I see here in, in Scripture. That it is, it, is still, it is still hope. There is still declaring the promise. And some of that is scary and painful. But we just read those promises. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. He's with you to the end of the age. He's with you in the silence and the waiting and the pain. God doesn't, God doesn't leave us nor forsake us. And so whatever stage you may find yourself in, in, in the story of, of Zechariah, I, I pray that you are encouraged. I pray that you are reminded that from this story that we, we equate with Christmas, that it is, it really is, this story points us to Jesus. It goes from John the Baptist to Jesus. And that's, that's what this is all about. That's what this building is here for. That's what you have gathered here for. That's why I am here. It's, it's for Jesus. This may shock you, but this is not the, the thing that I thought that I would be doing when I was growing up. Again, another shocker, I was, I was the shy kid. I promise, I'm not making this up. <laughs> Somebody's like, baloney. God still works miracles. <laughs> but I'm, do, I'm doing this not because this is something that I thought would, I, I wanted to do or that would be fun. It's because this is what God has called me to do and this is what I was made to do. And so it is because of Jesus and it is for Jesus. And so worship, worship whether it's you're, you're in that silent moment. Worship whether you're still in that waiting. Because regardless of where we're at in our story, he is worthy. He alone is worthy. So if you will, if you'll, if you'll just bow your heads with me, I just want to ask, I just want to ask a, a question. We're not going to make you, you know, stand up. We're not going to point a spotlight on you. We're not going to do anything to embarrass but I would love your honest your honest answer in this question if you have never surrendered your life to Jesus if you have never asked Jesus to come and to be the Lord and leader of your life I would love to give you that opportunity and if you have never done that if you would simply raise your hand I would love to pray with you We're all believers. Praise the Lord. I am so thankful for what God has done in and through your life. I'm going to pray as Pastor Ken comes up to, uh, to close us out. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your, your promise in, in being with us in our waiting. Thank you, Jesus, that our story is is covered by you. Jesus, thank you for thank you for speaking to us through your word, but also for speaking to us in our situations and in our life. Jesus, I I pray I pray a closeness and a sensitivity to your voice in each and every individual that's 
that's here this morning. May they hear from you. May they follow you. May they be encouraged and strengthened by you. In your name, Jesus. Amen.